I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, this is TJP, the Philam Flash, and you are listening to Stan, Roe, Chino, and Camos on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. It is episode number 290. Stan C, Romaran, Raf Camus, and Chino Liao all Kala together. I don't know what you're saying. No, no, no. <laughs> just, no, you're so conditioned. You're yeah, so yeah. Conditioned. Actually, I am too. I am too. Yeah, you're conditioned, <laughs> but uh, we, we know what we're supposed to do here. You know, uh, we're so excited to bring you this week's episode. We, we forgot to plug it because we were so excited. This week's yes, episodes. We, we just Yeah, we just said we had big names episodes. coming through. Back to back. This is the TJ Perkins episode. He makes his return to the podcast after four years. He makes his live in person debut. Oh, the the first time. Legit, legit. Yeah, because last time we had him on Google Hangouts, in yung time na he still had the blonde highlights, yung sa bangs niya, uh, that was a time that he just left Impact the first time. When his arms were naked. That's true. Tattoo legs. Wala pang ink. Yeah. Smooth as fuck. And, and now that comes up next. That comes up in the interview. Yeah, yeah. We we talk a lot about the tattoos. We'll spend a good ten minutes on them. Uh, we've also got the video that's coming up uh, in probably a few days or a few weeks. So whenever it becomes available, and uh, we talk about all sorts of things from homecoming to his departure from WWE to the cruiserweight classic to LA Lakers and Warriors talk. New Japan. New Japan talk. New Japan. Yeah, LA dojo talk. A lot of can't New Japan that, talk. Can't leave that out. Yeah. So. Uh, lots of fun with TJP, and uh, as much as we I are think so that's the thankful, name of the episode. that's the name of the episode. Oh, it's okay. Lots of fun with TJP. Lots of fun with sure. TJP. Sure, sure. You know, uh, we're so thankful that TJ set aside some time to hang out with us, and shout out to his team as well, to Jim Santamano and to Lyle Del Mundo. They're two of the guys who've been taking care of him. Uh, Gino as well, the videographer who's so been Gino. following TJ around. Gino. So uh, Tito Gino, as uh, TJ likes to call <laughs> him. Tito Gino. And since we're getting to our thank yous, we also got to uh, give a special thank you to our friends. Here here at Podcast Network Asia, whose studios are located at We Remote Coworking Philippines. They've been helping us out with our show, and you can check out their socials at facebook.com slash podcastnetwork.asia. On Twitter, it is at podcastnetasia and at podcastnetworkasia on Instagram. And you can check out their official website at www.podcastnetwork.asia. Now, a lot of people who've been listening to the podcast will probably expect you know, we'll talk about Hell in a Cell. We'll talk about oh, yes. all the negativity yes. that came along with that yes. ending. And the answer is no. We're going yes. to keep the episode Chino positive. Chino was right. Oh, fine. Chino was Seth right. Seth Rollins Chino was right, but nobody, nobody would have predicted what happened? You know, Nobody would have predicted that the WWE is stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, shh, no. Shh, shh, shh. Gino, it's okay. It's okay. None of that negativity right now. I'm being negative towards you. I'm positive towards myself. Okay, right it's okay. Now. He All is right. body positive. Okay, okay. Hey, uh, quick question for everybody. What is your go-to app whenever you're bored? Hmm. Uh, I like Twitter. Twitter is my favorite. Always. All the time. All right, Chino. Instagram. Camus. 
technically Spotify. I look for hey, new, yeah, I look yeah. for new stuff. I mean, and, and our podcast and our yeah. podcast. Yeah. I mean, I like to listen back to the new episodes because it sounds so yeah, good. so beautiful. It's all very good answers, but for me, my go-to app is Kumu. Now, Kumu, Kumu is a powerful live stream platform that prioritizes the voices Kumu. of over 100 million Filipinos hey, all hey, around hey. the world. And through Kumu, you can watch and interact with interesting people online. You can even start your own live stream and share whatever it is you're passionate about. Kumu is a safe, positive, and accepting space for everybody. And safe, for more wait, information, yeah. safe and accepting. So that means Chino can start a live stream of him eating. Absolutely, All right. Right. Bang. For Which more, I've already done, by the way. All right. For more information about how Chino channel. can have his own mukbang stream, you can check out kumu.ph or download the Kumu app available on the App Store and on Google Play. Also, shout out to the Philippine, uh, sorry, Premier Volleyball League. Hey. Um, they are on Kumu. Hey, um, hey. How so, do you spell Kumu, by the way? Uh, K-U-M-U. Yeah, K-U-M-U. Yeah. Very easy to remember. Uh-huh. So there, uh, lots of stuff going on. Um, PWR Homecoming is happening in a couple of days. That's the reason why we've got TJP here. And tomorrow we're going to record another episode. It's going to be a bonus one. Uh, we'll probably drop it, if not Friday night, then probably early Saturday to get you in the zone for Homecoming. We've got Jeff Cobb. Hey. Si Batista. <laughs> Jeff Cobb and Batista on one podcast. How do we not end up booking Batista for Homecoming? Where are you now, Balibaga? Oh. What you got? Oh, God. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? What you got, Jobber Talk? <laughs> hey, Martin, Martin, is, Martin a is a friend. Martin is a friend. Martin is a friend. Okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. Who else are you going to throw in the well, You said Martin, so. I mean, Chino, if we're going to call people out, we might as well call out the entire barangay, right? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, you're the point. You keep starting shit, man. Nega kay, Negatron kay. You, start, you keep starting shit on I'm this podcast. I'm just being proud that we get the guests that we have. Bro. Okay, so let's get to the guests. Let's, get, yeah. let's keep Chino away from the mic. Let's get to the guest, TJ Perkins, waiting in the wings. Let's bring him on. Time to get this interview started with our very special guest, someone we've been looking forward to. And, you know, honestly, it would have been better if we had him for 300, but whatever. He's uh, already uh, here. It's Let's, 290. Yeah, we it's So it's actually not 300. It's yeah. actually 290. Sorry, guys. But it's fine. It's all good. It's Math all good. It's not our strong suit. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Let's welcome to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast one of our headliners for PWR Special Homecoming. He's front and center on the poster. He is a former WWE Cruiserweight champion. The I'm Flash, TJ Perkins. Hey, kumusta, guys? Hey. hey, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it would have been cool to do. What was it? You guys are getting close to 300. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is Sparta. I mean, you, you can always come back. <laughs> no, you it's know, a good excuse to come back. Yeah, it, it's nice to have TJ back on because um, TJ, I don't know if you remember this, but you're the very first international guest on the podcast. So in many ways, you helped legitimize us. Hey. I, yeah, you, I remember you mentioned that I was. I don't. You didn't mention the legitimizing part, but. I'll take the compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I remember we would send out emails to Jeff Cobb, who uh, who we'll have tomorrow. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you were one of the guys that we were like, oh yeah, we got to interview TJ. So, <laughs> you know, in 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 so on so many levels, it really helped uh, put us there on on that uh, legit path, so to speak. So let's get a status update. How has your stay in Manila been so far? Uh, if I had to pick one word so far, busy. Yeah, so yesterday was, uh, I guess, technically day one of, of like a media blitz, you mm-hmm. know, for the week. And uh, it probably probably my longest media day I've ever had. It was like 6 a.m. to like 10 p.m. straight, just boom, 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 boom. But, I mean, um, the, the weather's a little bit nicer from the last time I was here. Yeah, it's I, not I like, raining. I like gloomy, but, I, like, humidity kills me, man. 
It's <laughs> yeah, he was here. You were here. Uh, it was still summertime. So. Oh yeah, 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 sweltering, and mm. especially like I, I took a trip, I spent some time in Iloilo, so then it was like super tropical, and I was like, oh, I'm dying. But um, but no, it's been it's been really great. Everybody's been really cool. The appointments have been awesome, and uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to see more. Uh, this time than I think last time a little bit as far as like in the city and stuff because of how much running around I'm doing so so you were able to get yourself on Sports Center last night yeah yeah that was, for a sports guy like me it's like a dream come true you know yeah how was that like getting on the local edition of Sports Center it was pretty cool uh, the green room has a lot of rules uh, my man Gino here broke all of them uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Gino he's videoing this right now <laughs> it was um you know it was cool and they, uh, I got to uh, kind of watch their uh, like headline uh, rundown uh, happening right in front of me. And, uh, you know, I've been on a lot of sets and things for TV and, and obviously like at like WWE and Impact and things like that. But, um, you know, it was cool to be like on an, on an ESPN program and to see that up close. So, so uh, you know, everybody's been talking about homecoming. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, you're excited for the show as well. Um, what's going through your mind now that we're just, what, two days away as of recording from the big show? Man, it's, uh, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but it's like, there's a sense of calm. Usually when there's like a big event or something, I, you get closer and then you, you feel more, I don't tend to like feel a lot of pressure a lot of times, but, um, but you know, that's kind of how it usually builds when there's like, you know, a, a specific event that has been coming for a while. But for this one, it's the closer I get, the more, uh, at peace, I feel because it, you know, it's, this is 20 years, it's a long journey, um, 20 years of people not understanding like what Filipinos even are in my industry and, and, um, and, uh, you know, trying to make this journey and, and help like all of us as a group be recognized in what I do so that, uh, you know, it could be empowering. And now it's like, I get to, this is like, um, you know, like the make good after 20 years of work, you know, I get to come <laughs> home and kind of like, kind of, uh, you know, finish the picture that I've slowly been painting for so long. Let's get into that um, because this it, it was a long journey. Mm -hmm. um, for you, it was 20 years. But for us to get you here, um, it's uh, something that took quite some time as well. So like, where would you say was the beginning or like the genesis of the journey to get you here? Uh, well, uh, I'd probably go back to almost exactly a year ago. I was still in WWE and, and uh, it occurred to me that there were a lot of goals of mine that I was getting further and further away from. Uh, you know, I came in those doors and I didn't know if I wanted to be there initially. Uh, William Regal had to talk me into signing a contract there. I, I kind of thought maybe after the CWC, I was going to keep moving and go back to Japan and do some other stuff. Like WWE was never like a big goal of mine. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when I came in the door, I saw the platform as an opportunity, you know, especially after going through being homeless and kind of refocusing, like what's more important in life, you know, and, you know, family and this message in the ring has been most important to me. So I thought this is a great opportunity to really finish breaking that wall down, so to speak, to borrow from from uh, Tito Jericho. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so um, I spent so much of my time there doing that. And it felt like the last year I was there. Uh, somehow, I don't know if it's, you know, whether it's the company or the creative or whatever, it's just I got further and further away from doing those things. And I wanted to get back to that. And when it seemed like, um, like that wasn't necessarily in the interest of, of WWE, it really felt like, you know, maybe I should find 
uh, a way to be able to do it on my own path and it's time to to change platform change boats you know get get off this pirate boat and get on a different one and so that's when it occurred to me you know i i i, I can go home i can go and, and do this on my own i don't need to i don't need to to be on a specific platform to do it and and so i'd say around that time is when i kind of made the decision that i was probably on my way out and that there were other things that i wanted to do that would be more personally fulfilling and, and more for us Okay, uh, I wanted to get into that, though, um, how you left WWE. It was kind of a shock to all of us because we were so used to seeing you uh, on 205 Live, even though you weren't always on the show every week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell us more about like how that happened? How did, how did it all go down? Well, let's see. Last year, uh, I think it was around the time that we, there's, a, there's, a UK, there's two UK tours every year, mm-hmm. yep. same time of year. And, and the one that was earlier in the year, uh, this would be 2018. And uh, I, I, that's when I made the decision that I felt like I wasn't, um, I wasn't contributing the way that, that I wanted to for the company and, and I wasn't being fulfilled the way that I, I wanted, what I wanted to get out of my time there. So, you know, I knocked on Vince's door and sat with him and, and I expressed this to him. I said, you know, I don't really feel like I'm a commodity to you anymore. I came in this door and I represented, you know, uh, uh, an idea. I represented, you know, an entire group of people and that was um something special and we've gotten further and further away from that in my time on raw and everything and i had said that uh you know i really want to get back to that and to his credit you know he's always been great as far as meeting with me his his door has always been open to me and he's been a great mentor as far as like i could learn a lot of stuff from him uh all the time for just about you know the business he's got a lot of wisdom and uh you know he was he was happy to hear that and wanted to go in that direction. So we spent most of the year in 2018 um, trying to come up with exactly what we need to do and where I need to be. And uh, so he basically asked me a question at the end of that meeting, and he had said, um, you know, well, how, how can we use you better? And my answer was that I'll show you instead of answering the question directly. I said, I'll show you. So I spent the year reconnecting you know, with, with the Filipino community and doing, you know, community service and charities and, and, and making appearances and meet and greets and spreading the message the way that I had hoped to the whole time, but the company had never really wanted to do it as a team. So I said, I'll do it on my own. I put this all together and kind of built a team around me, uh, to, to help do all these things. And I came back to him around survivor series at the end of the year. And I, and I knocked on his door again. I said, you know, earlier in the year you had asked, what can we do? And I said, here's what we can do. And I, I gave him that. And um, I mean, like, li- uh, metaphorically and physically, like, <laughs> I, I literally gave him a package and said, this is everything that we can do. And, uh, and he loved it. He said, this is, this is great. And, uh, you know, most, most of his performers do not think that way. 99% of them don't. So he liked the initiative. He liked the direction. So he said, okay, well, it'll have to start with creative. We have to think of a way to, um, to get you back on the raw in a, in a different way and, and uh, separate you because you're not just a, you can't just be a cruiserweight anymore. So then it was just a process of bouncing creative back and forth. And essentially what happened in the end is that he didn't know where it would fit in because his cupboard is so overstocked and it just didn't fit into his plans. And what I think is really cool about this scenario, and it's not what most people have the luxury of going through, is he had enough respect for me to tell me that, you know, he respects what I'm doing. He respects, for lack of a better way, he respects my balls and like my my bravery for wanting to stand up and do this. And he didn't want to feel like I was held back um, and he didn't want me to be upset or unfulfilled. So he said, you know, if this is what you really want to do, you should go and spread your wings. And so, 
you know, we'll see what the future holds. But, you know, he had enough respect for me to let me do that. Whereas a lot of guys, he won't give them that freedom or, or allow them to, to make that decision. So, Was it easy having that conversation with, with Vince? And for me, it's easy. I don't really, um, I mean, he's just a normal guy like anybody else, I guess. Most people get afraid of his door, you know? Yeah. They see the door and they're scared of the door. It's a barrier. <laughs> yeah. It's an automatic barrier. Yeah, for you. you know. Um, but I've never looked at somebody like you know as nobody really intimidates me like that like a presence doesn't intimidate me but um but he he was always great you know i treated him i I think he wants people to be able to treat him like a normal human being and he i think he feels it is me reading him it, it just seems like you know he feels like they they react to his aura more than him and and he i think he kind of wishes that he was still one of the boys uh, is the product that you talked about, the new ideas that you had, this package you presented to Vince, now that you're no longer with the company, is, is this something you see yourself doing outside of the WWE? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, and and just to give you an idea of the types of things that I was looking into is like, you know, groups that would do, say, like, you know, Filipino Heritage Night for the Golden State Warriors or something like that to kind of help promote the community and, you know, special merchandise runs for the first however many people that come to the game and, um, you know, include local charities, food trucks, just different stuff like that. And then uh, set up meet and greets with with people who would be, you know, Filipino or Southeast Asian, like superstars, you know, which I thought was good because it could include more people in the company, which I feel are also underrepresented. And... Um, you know, stuff like that is is what I would present to them. And then, you know, different brand work that would be available. Um, but a lot of that was a conflict of interest because they have specific brands that they work with. And, um, and a lot of the – they have such a web work of internal, like um, – you know, delegation of like different departments and a lot of the departments were, didn't want something being spearheaded by somebody other than them. So then a lot of these things kind of get shut down in the middle. Like he thinks it's a great idea, but as it goes through somebody along the lines, like, no, we will do it our way instead. And, <laughs> and, um, but, uh, the cool thing is uh, this was all set up. All these opportunities were brainstormed and set up through basically the team that I've sort of not created, but like started to kind of work with and form. So, you know, in a lot of ways, it's just they, they like to see where my landing spots will be because we'll still want to try and do that stuff and, and, and initiate all those things. It's the kind of thing where it's like like looking at you know Vince and WWE in the office, it's kind of like I, the whole time this year since I've left, has felt I've always felt like I wanted this to be ours, but you didn't want that, so instead it's just going to be mine, and it's going to be ours here. And so that's, that's really the case. So it is a lot of like... The red tape that WWE, you know, didn't didn't allow you to do, sort of you've co-opted that and then taken that and run with it, right? They basically. Yeah, because I, I just think that um, you know, like with like with Vince having the respect to say, you know, most of my performers don't think on the level that you're thinking. Uh, that's true, but then in a lot of ways, I think the the company infrastructure looks at it like guys with individual ideas they can only do this stuff because of us. They can't do it. They can't do it without us. But in my case, like I'm a rare case where I can do this stuff without them. Um, 
I just wanted them to be able to be part of it. You, you wanted know? them on board. Yeah, like if I like going on Sports Center, I would have loved to be able to like represent, you know, the company and represent a lot of different things as opposed to just being there to promote like a singular show or something yep. like that or even just talk about myself like I don't I'm not that I'm not a big fan of me. So like <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't usually like to use opportunities like that just to be like me me me. I like to be able to um, you know, help promote you know anything as a as a team and so you know it's like that it's like i most people they they only do that stuff through them i wanted to help them be able to do that stuff through me so is this what you meant when you started the hashtag alternate ending tour um that was just being a video game guy is like i started the year and everybody you know i think at the time because i i internalize everything i'm not really big on like if I'm really frustrated, I mean, I'm human, so obviously some stuff comes out, but I'm, I'm not typically the type of person that if I'm like upset, I, I got to go run to Twitter and tweet about it right away or something like that. Like, <laughs> um, like some of the some performers kind of do that sort of thing. Like if they're mm-hmm. upset about their booking or something like that, you know, they'll have something passive aggressive. Like I <laughs> yeah. usually don't. So On it was the Twitter machine. Yeah. So it's like for me, I think at the start of the year, the, the reason it kind of came as a shock me leaving um, is because that they don't i don't talk about all this the year that led up to you know the ups and downs of whether i'll stay or go and why um so alternate ending tour is really just because people expected the year to finish one way yeah and instead it's like i have this alternate route that i'm doing well uh we talked yesterday about um the various wwe visits to manila and how um it was really unfortunate that um throughout your time there in the company you weren't part of those visits so um what was going through your mind say like right after your cruiserweight classic win wwe comes to manila and you weren't part of the show and then a couple years later xavier woods comes in and then um uh, you mentioned yesterday off air that you weren't in the loop in that activity Mm -hmm. either yeah um yeah, the timing. <coughs> excuse me. The timing uh, worked out kind of funny because uh, they they uh, last had come right when I was kind of coming in. Yeah, and it was like they couldn't get me, you know, on that uh, tour. And then um, the next time they came, it was like right after I leave. So, yep. What I think uh, stood out to me the most is what like kind of like Woods had said like when he came over and he'd do like a, a meet and greet or Q and A's and and he'd get so many questions about me and it it would make sense to have people in their proper space but sometimes it's just maybe this is because the company is so big they don't really realize exactly all the where the chess pieces need to go mm-hmm. um, you know Woods had said himself and that they'll do like they they would do electronic tours or video game tours stuff like that that dealt with like um digital media type stuff which is really his like that's that's his that's his his arena yeah yeah. so and but they would be like sending like brock or something like that (laughs) like it'd be a video game tour and they'd send somebody like like that or like you know and he he's you know he said uh you know it took me or in his case he's he said it took him years before they understood that that was his strike zone so um you know he was saying if if you give it some time then they'll adjust to it but it just takes a while Towards the end of your run in WWE, you started getting the tattoos because, like, when you when you first came in and th- through all of the years, <laughs> oh, uh, you didn't yeah. have the ink, and then suddenly yeah. you, you would get one tattoo, and then some, it turned into a full sleeve. So, how did that conversation go about with management? Uh, I just uh, like our our head of talent relations is Mark Carano. He's really like he's he's like the guy that represents all the boys. So basically, if we need something, it goes through him. If the office needs to address us, usually it comes back through him, that sort of thing. He's a mediator. Of yeah, sorts. yeah. Yeah. He's he's like our lawyer. But, <laughs> but, but he's all he, he he can he's also the the bearer of bad news too, but Welp. um but uh you know, I just uh just 
talked to, I had a good relationship with Mark, so I, I still do. And I, I just pulled him aside and said, this is, I'd, I'd like to start doing this. And, you know, everything requires approvals and things like that. So I said, I just want to make sure that, you know, it's cool. that I do it however you guys want me to do it. So, you know, it took a while. It took him like months before he can kind of really get through and all that. And he asked for pictures of all this stuff. Cause like Vince doesn't like to delegate. He wants to do everything himself. Mm-hmm. So like Mark would tell me for months, he's like, we keep, begging him to just let us make these smaller decisions for him but he's like no get, i need this stuff across my desk send him in here i gotta talk to him like all that stuff but um eventually he was like yeah everything is cool so you can you can start doing what you want but it i mean it took 10 years to start i wanted to start getting this stuff done uh like in 2010 2009 so what um, took so long well i at the time I was in uh, Lucha Libre USA. So for those that have seen me post about different characters, when I did Sadistico, that was for them. And that was an MTV show. It was on TV for like, I don't know, four seasons, something like that. And just like any TV show and just like WWE, they have their approvals and like, you know, they have their, um, you know, studio shots and things. They're going to develop toys, which they they did develop a toy for me and all that. So um, same idea. It's like, um, can you hold off because we don't want your image to change? And Mm, so I said, okay. Image and licensing, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So then from straight from there, I went to Ring of Honor. I was Ring of Honor for a couple of years, and that was just when Sinclair was taken over. It was becoming Mm -hmm. more of a major league product. They wanted to make toys and things like that. So then, same thing. It was like, can you hold off and wait? I said, sure, whatever. And then, and then I went to TNA, and then Impact is the same way. I became Suicide, and then even with the suit, they didn't. They yeah, didn't you wear the suit. Hats. Well, at first I was like, okay, I have the suit, and then soon after they cut the sleeves yeah, cut off. The sleeves, yeah. So then they were like, don't make any changes. We might make some new toys for this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. So I'll wait. Four years go by, and then I'm in WWE. So then I'm there and I'm, I don't even ask at first. I'm like, I already know the answer to this. Because <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I got in, they're like, you're you're not even going to NXT. You're going straight to TV. You got a lot of stuff to do. And so I was like, all right, Mattel is scanning me for stuff and like tops cards and all these things. And I'm like, all right, I'm not even going to try. I'm, I'm not even going to attempt this. <laughs> and then after a couple of years, I was like, you know, I I, th- I wanted to start when I was 22. Now I'm 32. I gotta like I'm a grown man. I gotta like get a hold of my life at some point and, and so, it's something you've always wanted to do yeah you know because it's all this stuff is uh i think at first because i don't explain it all like people assumed i was just picking stuff off the wall and just getting whatever <laughs> but <laughs> we probably go through a bit because we do have video right now yeah. so you can probably go through some yeah. of the tattoos yeah. like, yeah. um, so but i mean all of this is uh i mean this is just my life's journey you know a lot of people would ask if i would ever write a book or something like that and uh, I, I think of like Bret Hart's book because it covers so much time, and I'm like, God, my book is like, even if I just wrote it from until now, like that's a lot in 20 years. So I, I dread ever attempting something <laughs> like that. But I was like, you know, it'd be what I could do is just write my life story on on me. And so, you know, everything on on my right arm, these are all landmarks of my life and destinations and things. So like, um, so yeah, unexplained, people just see like stars and they're like oh this guy's just picking what he thinks is cool and like what a what a what a lame like idea but it's like you know obviously the sun and three stars you know um that's the flag yeah for the for the philippines i was born in kansas city uh that's right here um i grew up in los angeles and i have the freeway from the um wow i haven't seen that yeah from the town the city i grew up in in southern california um new japan was my first big break they scouted me in santa monica and, Ooh, I was um, gonna say that's the boulevard. Yeah, and then uh, you know this is my first uh, character in Japan is Puma. Yeah, 
And then uh, I picked Blue Demon for Mexico. I wanted to pick somebody on the Rushmore of Lucha Libre for Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so generally speaking, you you think, okay, that Mount Rushmore is Santo... Blue Demon, Mill Masters, and I think at this point you got you got to go with Ray. Yeah, yep, mm-hmm. yep, um, yep, yep, yep. And sounds uh, about right. And they're all baby faces except for Demon is the one that stands out. Yeah. yeah. And I actually knew Blue Demon Junior a little bit. He's always really cool to me, so I thought that's the one I'll pick is, is Blue Demon Junior. And um, or just Blue Demon generally. Yeah. Um, I have this hockey mask for Canada because I lived in outside of Toronto for for a little while just to chase new opportunities in wrestling. Um, I was homeless in Florida, and That's so why the skulls this is the, yeah the palm yeah. trees for Florida. The skulls is for that, and then uh, Orlando is obviously the the hidden Mickey. Oh man, <laughs> it, is a, it is a hidden it's, Mickey. Yeah, that's right next to uh, to uh, Tampa. Is that for the PC? <laughs> yeah, for and, well, and and so much of my so much of my wrestling life had had taken place in Orlando with Impact. Yeah, right. So right. with like, all the taping. So yeah, like uh, 19 years old doing you know live worldwide or nationwide pay-per-view and and all this stuff like these big opportunities and it happened in orlando and then like it's funny fast forward years later and then i'm homeless in florida as well and then fast forward years later and the next biggest break with wwe is orlando florida so it's like i i had to put that on there somewhere and then um and then I, I made a home in Las Vegas the last few years, so that's why Vegas is Vegas on here. Strip, yep. Yeah, hoping to you know start start my family soon, and so that's that's really it. The rocket is just symbolic of my travels, and uh, the pirate ship is actually uh, so Brian Kendrick, who's a longtime friend of mine. We we had this, we were talking, we had this um, comparison. He says like like uh, wrestling, wrestlers are like the last living pirates. Like all we do is. Uh, you know, we, we group up in our ships and we travel together and we and you know, sometimes you jump to another group but all you're trying to do is just keep sailing and stay away from civilized land as <laughs> as long as possible and avoid a real job and a real life. And <laughs> so that's why I got that there because this is just my whole my whole journey and obviously the stars and, and all that. It's, this is my universe right here. And then everything on, on the on the left arm is just inspirations for my life, you know. Uh, up at the top with uh, Pamelia. This is for my my grandparents. I wouldn't be, you know, have the opportunities that I had if my grandfather didn't move the family over when uh, my mom was a little kid. So I was the first to be born in America, and so I first got that. Yeah, he's he's passed on now. So I, I picked the the sugar skulls. That, that's um, you know uh, what. Traditionally, you, you get that to honor somebody who's passed on. So I got that for, for my grandfather with the Filipino flag, uh, you know, painted into it. Um, you know, I have an Oswang here. I'm big into folklore. I see Kobe's number I, eight. I, yeah, I got Kobe's. He's, he's my guy. Um, you know, well, I we got, know that. We know yeah. that. Uh, I got, uh, you know, Eddie, Sean, Tiger, Tiger Mask, Mask on the arm. Yeah. Um, those were always, like, my guys that I look to for inspiration. Sean has become a real-life mentor for me the last few years, which is really, really cool. He kind of took me under his wing a lot in, when I was he's starting in WWE. Um, Teddy is my father's name. It's also my name. So I got this here uh, for him. Um, I got Blink One Eighty Two. Yes, but yeah. them and Nirvana are my favorite band. Uh, I got a Nintendo controller here. Um, obviously, just just all stuff that kind of shapes my life. The flux capacitor for Back to the Future. Yeah, that's new. That's yeah, new. They, these are say. new. You could tell because they're peeling yeah. still. Um, and then a, a colada ring. This is uh, this one is uh, for my wife. She's she's from Irish descent. So oh, that's awesome. This is ours. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, there'll be more coming up. There's space. There's, you still have uh, a bit of real estate on your bicep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to hurt like a bitch. <laughs> like um, we were talking about it the other night, like how the bicep tattoos are the worst. <laughs> and uh, let's see, I got, I got uh, so on, on the left side, um, somebody said you should get something. F- they're like, you should get something for you. And I, I've never, you know, I didn't want to get something for me. Um, but uh, I just put my birthday on, on, my, on my shoulder here uh, for 1984. Oh, that's yeah. That's and then on uh, on the other side, on the chest, uh, it's hard to see all of it. But uh, this writing was actually painted on the wall in New Japan Dojo when I was a teenager, when I was kind of first starting my my you know the the real portion of my career. And it's just kind of like a poem type thing that Antonio Noki wrote. And it's just about not having any fear of the road that lies ahead, even if you don't know where you're going. Um, just having enough courage to take the first step because that becomes a second step and a third step and that starts your path and before you know it you you have this road and that's really what all of this has become is I didn't know where I was going but this is this is what ended up happening I mean you brought up you just brought up the New Japan Dojo and it's kind of funny because like we we have many questions about (laughs) about where because you came up, you, you you came back to NJPW very recently for the Super J Cup. Yeah, yeah. In the states, and then now you're going back for Tag League. Yeah, yeah. How does that conversation to come back to where you basically started, like where you first got your break? Um, you mean like start. going back, going back mm-hmm. to New Japan? Well, actually, when I was when I kind of had reached the point where I decided that maybe I'd be happier if I left WWE. Yeah. The first the first thing I did was was talk to 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 my friends in, in, in New Japan. So you gave Rocky a call? Um, like, it's funny because it's the first place yeah. I ever went to and I thought, and that was always my goal. Like, yeah. mo- most people, they want a WrestleMania moment. I never had an idea of wanting a WrestleMania moment. I've never craved that at all. Um, I always wanted to be in New Japan and do the Super J Cup. The Super J Cups, yeah. 94, 95, those first two specifically, man, that, like, that's a day. that made my entire life. I mean, that's what I wanted to do and I thought, you know, at the time, it wasn't how it is now. It seemed now it's a little bit easier to forge a path because wrestling has become so inclusive and so the communication is so um, calm in both ways. But at the time, it was like you can't just create a path to New Japan or CMLL. Yeah. It's like you just had to get lucky. And um, so I thought I would never get to New Japan. I thought even more so, I'll never do the Jacob. They only do that once in a blue moon. There's yeah. only been, what, seven, seven of them ever? You know? And then this one was the first one stateside. Yeah, and so I was like, I'm never going to get this stuff. Yeah. But New Japan ended up being the first thing I ever did. And then the Jacob, I thought I would never get. But um, uh, ever since I left New Japan the first time or like moved on and grew and did other stuff with my career, I always thought, okay, now maybe I'm going to learn like like what these other places are about them there might be better greener pastures and it's weird i spent 20 years learning that that's the greenest pastures <laughs> it's the best place i've ever been and it's it'll always be home to me you know whether i'm there or not there and so that's the first thing i when i whenever i think about leaving somewhere i always think man i would love to get back to japan and mexico because that's just where my heart is and so, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to do. And it just so happened that the way the schedule was, you know, I, maybe I didn't get out soon enough to get into, like, best of the Super Juniors this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Then they had, like, two heavyweight tours right after. And right just yeah. by luck, they were, like, the first thing, the Super <laughs> J Cup. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe I'm going to do that. Oh, man. And, and considering that the roster for this year's Jacob was ballistic. Man. Yeah, like, that was incredible. I mean, they had a, the, I think they had a couple of years where, not that it was like a bad lineup, but it was kind of like, um, 
uh, it, it seemed like a little bit random. And yeah. this one, it seemed like there's so like Dragon Lee, Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles, Phantasmos, New There, Red, you know, Red, Red, you know, and and man, we and with Red, I've been trying to talk him out of retirement for years. Everybody sees the Will Ospreay tweets, but that's more promotional than anything man <laughs> yeah, i've been yeah. i've been texting red for years <laughs> like you got to come out and uh, we still want to make our tag team too uh, we we've been friends for a long time um so i was so ecstatic especially when he had that first night showing i was oh that first that first night I main was event was, the first guy oh, waiting God. for him behind the curtain i i, I cried for him man because it's just to see what he's gone through and to, to come back and be able to do that i was just so happy for him and um, and then yeah, and then we we finally got to team up with Liger on the with last Liger. night. Yeah, that was good. And that was in good. in my hometown, yeah. and across the ring was was Rocky and another LA boy whose dream also was to do the J Cup and be in New Japan someday. And to be able to do that with my friends with Liger in probably his last match ever in LA. Yeah. And and to win the match for the team, you know, that's. I've never been so happy to be eliminated from a tournament. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I remember telling my friend, like my best friend in school growing up, we, we loved the J-Cup and we always played Fire Pro. We modded our PlayStation so that we could play the Japanese versions, you know? Yeah. And um, I texted him. I was like, man, because uh, uh, he, he was like, oh, you're, you're out. And then what are you going to do on the last night? And I was like, it's probably going to be a tag match or something like that. And I told him, I was like, if I win the quarterfinals, then I have to have another singles match on night three. Yeah. I don't get to tag with Liger. Mm-hmm. I don't get to tag with Red. I don't get to wrestle Rocky, you know. Um, so I was like, I've never been so happy to not move on in a tournament because like, it's a dream come true to be able to do that specific match. So um, let's take it back a bit because um, you were also part of the LA Dojo. And uh, you were you were coming up with a young Shinsuke Nakamura, a young Brian Danielson. Do you have any stories from that time uh, that probably surprise us? No, uh, you know, seeing these guys the way they are right now. Oh, I'm not surprised at all where they're at, especially with like Nakamura, because I, uh, you know, I started in the LA gym when I was still in high school. As soon as I graduated and I turned 18, they could like, you know, give me a real visa and send me to Japan. So then I became a Japanese young boy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think that I was just only American young boy. But I went to Japan. I stayed in Benoit's dorm room. Um, in fact, I was like, when I left, Fergal took my place. So, wow. So, that, wow. Like, so I, was, I was sweeping the floors there, helping cook the, the, the food, carrying bags. Chanko. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, scrubbing wrestlers' backs in the showers, anything, you know, all the old school stuff I was doing, getting hit when I wasn't, you know, training hard enough for ride or whatever. And uh, uh, so that young boy class that did the young, we did the Young Lions Cup together too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nakamura was part of that class, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. But he never was part of that group because they always held him separate because he was like a superstar from day one. And so it didn't shock me at all. Any, everything he's done since then, his, his rise to superstardom, like, I'm not shocked at all because it was like I saw that emotion from the beginning because I was like, this dude, he don't even have to do this stuff with us because he's already a star. Um, but how could you tell? Like, uh, you know, you're all young, you're all starting out. How, what was that thing that you saw? Well, I mean, in his case, you just see the way that they treat him. And, you, you, and when you couple that with his background, he's a big amateur star. So you, you just could kind of see how the dominoes are going to fall with that. Um, Bill Murray has this story about how he knew that him and his peers from that time were going to be stars. 
And he says he realized it when they were making Ghostbusters. And they were still starting out. They weren't really big stars yet. Each of them had done maybe a couple movies or whatever. And then they had the comedy stuff on the side, yeah. Yeah, and you know they were just coming up. But Bill Murray has a story. He said, I knew the first day of shooting when we just showed up late and, and did whatever we wanted and nobody said a thing to us. He said, I knew that we could do whatever we want because we're going to be stars. And <laughs> that's how we knew. And it, it's, it's kind of like that because you just see it. The way that they treat him and the way that, that hit, everything is falling well into place for him and, and where his background comes from. You see his talent, obviously. You could see that you know easily with the eyeball test. And you just know like this guy is going to be special forever. All right, so just a little bit more on the LA Dojo stuff. So now that Shibata's running the dojo, do you see yourself like contributing in some way to go back there and help him, um, or something like that? Yeah, I it. So we've never talked about it, but um, I think kind of when when I immediately. W- or when I saw like how the infrastructure was, because you know I've been away from it for a while, so yeah. I didn't really know exactly what was going on operationally. When I see that, you know, he's there, he's their main coach for the LA guys. And when I see the LA guys, like it's flipped now. The, I think that the the Tokyo Dojo is easy now compared to LA. LA has it hard. Um, those guys are brought up the way I was brought up, really old school. And you could kind of see like their condition isn't like they're incredible, like in physical shape. Yeah. You know, uh, I think compared to a lot of the Japanese young boys who usually it takes them a while to really build a body. Mm-hmm. And the, the L.A. guys are just they're like warriors. They I mean, jacked. It, it's they, crazy. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and knowing, you know, Shabbat is really old school guy. He was a young lion when I was coming up. So he was kind of like just above me and kind of like a senpai to me, too. Yeah. So um, so I know what he has them doing. And he's asked me to pull them aside and give them, you know, advice and stuff. And obviously, I'm tagging with uh, Clark Connors and the, in the, and the juniors. Ju- yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I've sort of loosely been put in sort of a senpai role. Um, yeah. But it is something that I, I think, yeah, if, if you asked me when I was younger, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. But now I feel like I can I can contribute in that way. Um, even when I was in WWE, the CWC, like before they offered me a contract, Hunter had pulled me aside and asked if I wanted to produce and coach someday for, the, for, WWE. for WWE. And I, I was like, I'll... I'll quit right now if you want me to just do that. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't need the spotlight. It was fine. Um, but he's like, no, we want you to wrestle. But, uh, but yeah, so it's now as I've gotten older, it's become something that I didn't mean to put myself in that position, but it's kind of, the universe is kind of putting me there. It's one of those, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. But I would love to do, especially in, in the new Japan system, just cause you know, I, I've been there. I know, I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the body types because you uh, touched on that earlier. Um, Weeping noise, like genetically speaking, mm. like uh, we're not. Exactly... <laughs> we mentioned this yesterday, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was mentioned yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not exactly uh, conditioned for something like basketball or even pro wrestling because yeah. we're tiny compared to everyone else. <laughs> so, uh, what's a secret you can share to, our, to aspiring wrestlers to build their bodies for this industry? Well, I mean, uh, in my case, uh, some of my. What what's more traditional about me with Filipino genetics? Like I, everybody always raves over my my legs. Like my calf muscles are always huge uh-huh. <laughs> compared to other guys, and especially because like I'm 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 kind of taller. You know, I'm five ten maybe. A lot of like uh, I'm not tall tall. No, but, that's that's but, tall for here. But yeah, but like I'm I'm a little bit like longer and slender, and like so you would think I'd have really skinny like like legs and shins and stuff like that. You but never skip leg day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, that's the thing is I I don't work very hard on my legs, but when I whatever little work I put in, like I just feel like we naturally can grow legs and calves, you know, like we're built that way. Uh-huh. I can't build a chest or arms at all. 
Um, but then like uh, last year, I had a chance to spend a day training with Manny. Mm-hmm. And um, just running with him, I, I'm looking, I see like his, his legs are so big. But when you see him in his boxing trunks, you, you, you can tell he's a smaller guy, like generally, that he has to yeah. work really hard to move up in weight classes because it's like his skinny arms, skinny torso, skinny chest. Um, so that's that's our genetics, man. That's where we lie. But I've always felt like legs are easy for me. So usually if, you know, if you're an aspiring wrestler, um, generally you got to build your legs. But if you're a Filipino, take pride in that because that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's easy work for us. Yeah, you mentioned training with uh, Manny, and I remember seeing that photo from a while back of you guys playing basketball. Yeah, can you um, <laughs> can, can you tell us a little bit on how that happened and wh- on how it was um, training with him? Yeah, it, well, when we played basketball, everybody kept making me check Manny, and I didn't. Want to <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> that's a no. That's a no-win situation, you know. Because like, cause you, what do you what do you do? Do do it? Do I do I do I embarrass? the eight-time champion and senator or or uh, uh what have i got what have i heard him he's in camp for for uh i think Ooh, it was whose match was that broner i think at the broner, time yeah i don't want to cost him 10 million dollars so and what do you do so but then it's like do, do i not guard him that's in is that insulting yeah to just let him go soft what a so, dilemma. Yeah. so i mean i kind i i kind of like 50 percent guarded him I kind of like, I at first I, st- I kind of pro wrestled it a bit. Like I acted like I was working harder than I was. So at least it looks like it. And yeah, just to see what would happen. Yeah. Um, but it turns out Manny's very, very good at basketball. And he was smoking me on every play. And so I started really playing defense. And he still smoked me on every play. <laughs> so it didn't matter what I did. And it just, it was fine. So you might as well just expended less energy and pull yeah. the James Harden. Yeah. I think at one, speaking of Harden, at one point, I think it was the last game I checked him, he hit, he hit game point by hitting a step back three-pointer in my face. Wow. And I tried to stop it. I really tried. And he has that Jamal Wilkes catapult yeah. shot. So I was like. He's got he's got he's got an interesting arc and he just he he takes this like the stupid shots and they just it, go it's in. It's crazy, yeah. He, he used shoots to have, lefty as yeah, well, right? He, he used to have yeah. his own BBA team, so yeah, he used to be on Kia, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 got that he's got that Kobe gene for sinking crazy shots. Um <laughs> but I mean it was uh it was I think around the time of Survivor Series in LA I was in town and um I had done some appearances for for the Filipino community while I was there around that time of year and then Uh, Smackdown was at Staples Center after after the pay-per-view and I had 205 that night and I had a, had a match and uh, some of his people who I'd met through um, through some of the red carpets and stuff I had done I came back from uh, from uh, during the day to the locker room with a text and they said would you like to play basketball with Manny Pacquiao and Bruno Mars. <laughs> what an all-star lineup. What an all-star Filipino lineup. <laughs> I said, hell yes, I would. I would love to. Um, and uh, But I said, I, I have to, you know, have to work tonight. And they said, when do, you, when do you fight? And I told them around the time. I said, I can get out. I'll be out of the arena about this time. So they said, meet us at the Waldorf in Beverly Hills. So, like know, some super secret meeting. Yeah, was, <laughs> well, I go to the Waldorf. It's really like, I mean, the fanciest of fancy hotels. Like the, yeah. It's like the hotel from Beverly Hills Cop. And uh, I pull up. And I have I have a nice kind of a nice car, you know. I have a I have a, a Dodge uh, Challenger, so it's kind of a cool like you know old school like muscle car. But like, I pull up to the valet, and it's like Lambo, Lambo, Ferrari, Lambo, <laughs> Beamer, 
Challenger, Lambo, Lambo, Lambo. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. So like, uh, so we, I sat and I met more of his his team um, in the lobby. But I think Manny had some medical stuff to do that day, so he was kind of tired and he didn't want to. He didn't want to work out at night, so they said, "Do you want to come back in the morning? He's going to do, uh, you know, one of his runs in the park, and then we're going to do some training and then uh, play basketball." I said, "Yeah." And so I came back in the morning. We went running, did all the abs and the shadow boxing and all that. Um, uh, a bunch of the media that was there did interviews with me and him, like separately. I felt kind of bad. I was like, or weird because I was like, this is Manny's day, but like, you're um, just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. So, and we did a little bit of media stuff, like, and then we played basketball for a few hours. It was amazing. It was awesome. I want to ask you something about 205 Live because um, it's always got this rap for being the opening act which happened after the main event. Like that's yeah. some, that, Those are comments about the show that I've seen online. The, so, opening, the opening closing act? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is it like for the locker room, for the, uh, for the roster of 205 Live to have to go through that? Well, um, I mean, I don't know how the other guys perceived it. I, I had it that way for the longest period of time because you, know, you, were, the, you were one the of the first. first yeah. The first couple of years I was like at or near the top so a lot of those shows i was closing um i remember talking to to sean about it uh when i was um when he started when sean michael started working at the pc i would after tvs after smackdowns on wednesday on tuesdays a wednesday morning instead of flying back home to the west coast i would fly to orlando and i would go and sit with him and we would just talk one-on-one I'd ask him about stuff, or we'd study tape, or he would just give me advice or whatever. I remember asking him one day, or just just mentioning to him, I was like, man, like, what was it like in 96 when you were the top guy and and in that position? And um, and there was a lot of, like, you know, polarizing stuff socially going on in the company at that time. Not everybody yeah. got along and all that. And, and he was like, he was like, I know, man, it sucks. And he's telling me, he's like, you, you go out and close the show every night. You get back. Everybody's already left because they want to move on to the next town. And you're coming home to an, or coming back to an empty locker room and a dirty shower and packing up by yourself and then going to the next city. It's lonely. It sucks to be at the top sometimes. And uh, that's what it was like doing 205. Like, oh. Everybody was gone. The, the backstage set was already being broken down when I'd come back from these matches going on last. And the locker room was empty, full of trash and showering in a dirty shower. And just it's it's kind of a bummer. I was like, I loved it when I got to move around to other parts of the card and like, you know, work with like Swan and different guys just because it was like, it, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. You know, it's not, it's not glamorous. It feels, it's glamorous on camera, off camera. It's not. <laughs> no, I can imagine because I was there for Mania weekend and I got to experience watching SmackDown from the start and then watching people file out for 205. Yeah. And it was kind of disappointing as an audience member to just see the energy go down. Um, yeah. And you can feel it from, you know, where, where you're sitting. Yeah. So I can imagine it must be amplified for the guys in the back. I mean, the segregation, I think, really hurt us creatively is, is in, in that aspect, you know, because when they keep it, like the, the cruise race in WCW, it worked well because... You know, Eddie Guerrero would wrestle Psychosis one night. He'd wrestle Ray the next night, La Parca. But then, you know, he'd go on Thunder and wrestle DDP. And he may not win or he doesn't have to win. Maybe he does. I don't know. But just seeing him be have do a little bit of everything and they weren't on one specific show and the Cruiserweights were doing all these different things, like that gave them a certain amount of legitimacy. And with us, it was like, you never see us talking with other guys that weren't cruiserweights. You never see us wrestling with guys that weren't cruiserweights. So then people look at us differently. And if we didn't have that, then I think that that changes a lot of the perception. So when they see us come out, it's like, these guys don't even associate with the cool guys. We don't need to stay and watch them. I think that's, that was the perception of it, you know. 
Is it safe to say then that um, you guys weren't exactly for all for the idea of your own having your own show? No, I think everybody really liked that. But I mean, a lot of the guys that were in the cruiserweight division on, and on two hundred five, like that was their first wrestling job, right? So everything is like star striking to them and glamorous and and all that. And I don't think that they look at it necessarily through the most responsible eyes or like that. Like they don't necessarily always look at it like an adult would like and, and where it leads. You right, know? right. They just think it's really cool to be part of this thing. And it is really cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. It really is. But um, like for guys like me or say like Spanky, like for Brian Kendrick, like, yeah. you know, there's only a couple of us that have had a lot of wrestling jobs before. So then we kind of, we understood the hurdles that were going to come with it too. So then in some ways it was, it was, not disappointing, but like we knew it'd be kind of an uphill battle that some of the other guys didn't realize. So in, in that regard, um, knowing that that's the state of the cruiserweight division, what do you think is the way to improve that? Um, you know, honestly, I just I, I I would have felt better if they dispersed us through the other rosters. Right. Like basically, what they're what they're about to have to do now, I think, is what they should have done from the beginning. Right, right. When um, they're mixing it up with everyone else on the roster. Yeah, and even just recently, I'm texting some of the guys that that uh, that are still there and, and telling them that you know I, I told them I said I, I hope that now they give you the chance to all just kind of spread out because that's what we've needed from the beginning. Because I mean, in the, in, at first, you know. Like Cedric would wrestle Bobby Roode on NXT. I wrestled yeah. uh, Nakamura. Nakamura. We did yeah. that main event one time, and um, and I did a bunch of matches with Andrade for like some of the NXT WrestleMania events and stuff. And um, <clears throat> like when that happened, it was like everybody was like, "Why? Why don't they do this all the time?" And I, I would express that I'm like, "This is what we could have," and they just didn't care, or didn't see it. And then um, you know, obviously later, some of the guys like started being able to mix in like. Um, I'm super proud of like Lucha House Party. Yeah, you know, they, they, yeah they're they everywhere. Be, they transcended. Yeah, and they became even more than just a wrestling act because they can do anything. They could host a show. They can do promos. They can do all kinds of stuff. And they're they're working with with all these non cruiserweights in all these different ways. And you know, uh, Drake Maverick found a, a non cruiserweight show role. Mm-hmm. Leo Rush for right. a while had that. You know, um, the Bollywood Boys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, I, I was so happy and proud of them when they when they found that that niche and to be able to work with like top guys and stuff. And and you know, so all these things are coming up now. I hope that it, it continues and where you could you could find like Gulaks and Davaris like in in different places and doing that stuff because I, I just think that from the beginning the segregation killed it. So you talked about um, having the cruiserweights integrated to, into NXT. Now that we see that happening more and more, is, is that something that would interest you into coming back to the WWE? Um, I mean, creatively, I, I, there's nothing that I feel like I would require to come. Like nothing, nothing. Uh, I, I mean, I just like to, I just like to wrestle. You know, I'll do. I asked to go back to NXT. That was one of my one of my ideas when I was you know talking to Vince and pitching. I, I pulled Hunter aside. I said, "Can just let me go back to NXT? That's all. I'd I'd like to do that show and and do do if I'm going to do separate stuff, I'll, I'll do that. And um, so that was an idea. I told him I'll go to UK. I'll move to London if you want. Sounds <laughs> you know, like, like a good idea. Yeah. Let me let me uh, let me let me just shake it up and do something different. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I would I would like to do that. My 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 caveats and my like um, deal breakers was never a content thing. It, it would just, like I don't like being overproduced. For example, mm-hmm. like, if you ever see me in WWE against because I'm my own producer, <laughs> um, that would be a deal breaker for me now. Just knowing the culture of it, it's really more of a culture thing. Like the system is kind of a, a difficult system. You don't feel you don't your art is not your art. 
you know um so that those are more the questions i have the wrestling is the easy part i love it. you put me in a ring i love it no matter what you know good guy bad guy win lose first match last match i don't care i just love doing it all right shifting gears a little bit uh you mentioned you love to wrestle and it's clear now when you see now when you see you now you're wrestling for impact and new japan at the same time so yeah how, how's it that you're able to do that um i mean just just nike got it right just do it (laughs) um i don't know i from the beginning of building my schedule for this year and kind of building my own tour uh it i kind of had it in my head that i didn't want to land for a while Uh and um you know out of the gate you know i got calls from from everybody you know whether it's with a, a idea specifically um an actual schedule specifically or just to touch base and see like maybe something in the future and i got a chance to talk to everybody so i knew that there was a chance where i could work with you know pretty much anybody i wanted if 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 we could make it work so i just went with whatever came up this thing i just it was like a no-brainer like like a b c d like whoever had whoever had an idea first i went with and whoever had an offer first i went with and whoever had a second one i went with them as well and until there's a hurdle or something i, I just i won't make a decision of where to just land or anything like that i, I just want to do it for as long as everybody's cool with it okay so that mentality of just doing anything that comes along, is that the same thing that brought you through your um, bouts with homelessness? Yeah, I mean, they, like for me, I feel like my, my, my best ability is adaptability. And um, I don't like to build game plans for stuff because everything changes. You know, you never know what's going to happen once whatever you're doing gets started, whether it's life, whether it's your job, whether it's your day, whatever it is. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I don't think about tomorrow. I just think about this afternoon. Like, well, what am I what do I got to do? And that is how I got through being homeless. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero said when when he was uh, dealing with addiction that it was like getting through this year getting my life back on track like that's insurmountable odds that'll that kills you it drives you crazy uh it creates anxiety and seems like impossible especially when you're handicapped so much by something that's bringing you down but when you think can i just get through this afternoon it's like i can do that so for me that's how i dealt with that like can i can i just keep me and my family who like you know i had i had you know my She's my wife now. He wasn't my wife yet at the time, but like we were, we were both homeless together. And it's like, can I keep us safe tonight? I can do that. And so, I even in the positive parts of my life, I look at it the same way. Like I'm happy today. I'll deal with tomorrow when that comes. Um, in the pro wrestling industry, it's notorious how um, you know people have a hard time maintaining their relationships, especially because you guys travel a lot. You're always yeah. on the road. So um, how have you been able to keep that relationship healthy with your wife, especially with the distance with you traveling a lot? I mean, it's hard. Like some, Sometimes it, you don't have a healthy relationship with your family, you know, with significant other, your friends, your family, whatever it is. And I've certainly had a lot of ups and downs with stuff like that. I think it's good when you find a partner who understands what your life is, because even the most severe of problems, you're able to kind of find each other's North star, so to speak. Um, it, you know, compatibility is a big deal. Like, you know, it's hard to just make pieces fit if you're trying to force them. So even if she's not in the industry. Yeah. And, you know, she, she, she came from wrestling originally before and was around it, and she understands it. So it's not like somebody that, uh, 
like they saw me on TV and then they met me and then that now they have to deal with the real life part of wrestling. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, this is so much travel. Oh my God, you're, you're gone all the time. Oh my God, <laughs> people are always giving you this attention and dragging you one one way or the other. Like that that stuff wasn't necessarily a shock because it was something that's um, that's more familiar. And like my parents, for example, they worked for the airline. So they, they lived a life where they were gone two, three weeks at a time. So they understand what that's like too. So I've never had to really deal with that part with anybody in my life, friends, family, or anything. So wrestlers are some of the most uh, well-traveled people um, around the world, and you yourself, you're not an exception. Um, Are there certain travel hacks or essentials that people won't necessarily think of bringing when they travel, but you do? Travel hacks? Mm, Let me think. Um, That's a good question. Uh, Let's see. Well, one good travel hack that I've learned, uh, like, I mean, there's a lot of little things. First thing that came to mind is like the first travel hack I learned is that if, uh, if I ever like forget like a phone charger or something like that, um, usually when you're traveling front desk at a hotel, they have a lost and found bin. So if you go and say, you know, you, you, uh, you left early or you, you say that like maybe you stayed there a few, uh, like a month ago or earlier and, and you left your phone charger behind, you have a lost and found chances are they'll have like 17 iPhone chargers in there. <laughs> nice. So if you need something, you can find it that way. It's kind of easy. There's a lot of little things like that. I think the when you were on your way over the first time earlier this year, you brought a shit ton of shoes. <laughs> how do you? How is that possible? How, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Just for everyone who doesn't know, DJ's sneakerhead, <laughs> and I just saw I saw like three pair, like at least five pairs of shoes and a pair of Islanders that go in your bag. Yeah. For what? What is that? Three weeks. Taiwan, Manila, either round. Yeah. <laughs> How the heck you pack that heavy, man? Yeah, I mean you just pack that heavy. <laughs> <laughs> let's see, uh, you so, just do it. You just do it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean this time, let's see. I'm here for a week, and then I go to Japan for for a few weeks. Uh, so it'd be a total of a month or more that I'm gone. Uh, yeah. And but this time I only, I think I only packed three pairs of heat so that it wasn't too much my manager packed way more yeah, clearly. He, he asked clearly. me he asked me jokingly he's like how many how much shoes did you pack and i was like no i just got i got a pair of twos i got a pair of bread uh fours yeah and i got a pair of ones is when i wore in sports center and that's it that's all i got um i got a special pair of wrestling boots which is technically heat but that's my yeah. wrestling boots um <laughs> Custom 11s, you'll see. Um, Can't wait. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, Custom Concords. But, um, but uh, uh, so I, was, I only packed three. But every single day we've been here, he wears a new pair of heat. Every single day. <laughs> He's wearing Concords today. He had like Toro Red 4s the other day. He had the same pair of Bread 4s that I had the day before that. I saw, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, and I, I think I saw him wear uh, a pair of white cement 3s as well. So I was like. You're asking me how much shoes I brought? Like he's, he's packing. He's, yeah, he packed a lot. <laughs> you mentioned Japan, uh, so you're gonna go uh, go there and uh, wrestle for New Japan after homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just a few months away from the biggest show in Japan, Wrestle Kingdom. What yeah. are the chances that we see TJP in the Tokyo Dome? Well, hopefully better than fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I I, uh, I haven't done it since I was eighteen. Um, I've been to several. Uh, shows there it's such an incredible experience you know um so i'm in the it's a big it's a special one this year two days yeah um actually for a final match yeah back then they they, it was a two-day event i did night one of two 
and they haven't done two days uh, since, since then. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so there's those two, and then uh, the the night after at Corican, and and then I think they have another show like three days three later. Days after, yeah. So then like they have a pretty pretty cool week this time as opposed to previous years. So I'm hoping that with the amount of matches they need that you know they you get that call they yeah. might be able to pair up me and red for something cool hey. oh. yeah that's a dream, dream plant, right there. plant the seed now hopefully chaos doesn't scoop a red <laughs> so I, we can we can put that together but hopefully after over two decades of wrestling pretty much everywhere is there anything that you feel you still need to accomplish no i mean i i really knocked out my bucket list when i was like 21 I kind of had at that point I had already wrestled for everyone. I had done a few like dark matches and things for WWE. So I mean I was like I've I've been in this locker room now. I've been in this ring, and so that's that's an, at the time I thought I, this is enough. If it, and I was so young or whatever. Like at the time I was like if I never wrestle again, I, I will have looked back and said okay, well at least I've been everywhere. Um, but uh, you know I don't know. I mean like I've closed shows at Staples Center and and the pond i've wrestled in the dome i've wrestled in arena mexico uh you know auditorio tijuana i've i've done all these different pl- the the iconic the, spots yeah the yeah. ecw arena manhattan center all these things um you know i got to do barclay center and all these and like uh there's not really a lot of bucket list things that i have um i wish i could wrestle ray one more time um if i had to pick one guy to wrestle that'd be that i mm-hmm. guess um uh, AJ, I've never wrestled. It's weird. We've shared so many locker rooms: Ring of Honor, TNA, yeah. WWE, yeah, all these different things, and and uh, we've never had a match. Uh, so that's one guy. Most guys that I've finally caught up to at some point. Like for a while, I hadn't wrestled Loki, mm-hmm. you know, and wow. then finally we did a series of matches in Impact. Wow. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of that stuff of, is is off the bucket list now. But um, I mean, really, it's just just want to be happy. You know, I've been everywhere now, and I just want to be happy and contribute and and i've i think i've finally come back around to what my calling was in the beginning is was you know representing us and kind of helping build this path where like more of us are proud to to represent and stuff because for so many years people they either didn't feel um that it was relevant to to be part of our heritage or they were afraid to you know like i i dealt with it like at one point i was told i had to to uh, if only I spoke Spanish, I could pretend to be Mexican, and then you you, you could be signed here full time. And I, I just remember thinking, like, how many layers of prejudice am I dealing with, like, <laughs> just to be who I am, you know? Um, so I think now it's like I, I've I think God put me in a position where He gave me a lot of responsibility. He gave me some wonderful things that pretty much cleared my bucket list, but now He's also put a lot of responsibility where it's like I can be. Um, you know, I can I can be uh, a symbol for for building this bridge, and you know I'm I'm proud and to have that, and and I feel like like it is my responsibility. So that that that's my last bucket list item, but I think that's the type of thing you never check off. You just you're always going to work on it forever. So, all right. Speaking of uh, being uh, proud of your heritage, mm. uh, who do you think are the Filipino wrestlers, both here in the Philippines and abroad, that people need to be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, starting out, obviously, my opponent for this week, um, JDL. Um, 
even on Twitter, I'm I, I'm even hashtag Team JDL. <laughs> <laughs> you watched the promo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Panzer I see everywhere, and I, I think that you know that's indicative of who he is. He's got that kind of drive and and um, and creativity. I was really hoping Crystal was gonna be in um, in May Young, so hopefully something like that. Uh, comes about. I, I got to meet a lot of the a lot of uh, younger wrestlers and people that were like training and students. Um, um, her name's Nicole. Is it mm-hmm. Nicole? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. our friend uh, yeah. Nina. Yeah, Nina. Nina. And uh, and uh, you know the the twins were asking me for advice. I mean, uh, you you were hanging out with them the last time. Yeah, they were yeah. yeah. Um, so so you know, there's there's a lot, and then and then just I'm I'm happy that people are starting to learn that that others even abroad now are are part of part of uh you know our heritage whether it's you know people like like with jeff cobb coming over like robbie yeah. eagles like anybody who has any kind of link to to us you know big or small you know giselle shaw yep. um you know a lot of people are like b-boys now become like a legend for the <laughs> oh, Philippine oh yeah you gotta get him in you gotta get like him so here. many people are like oh i grew up loving b-boy and i'm like it's crazy i grew up getting my ass kicked by b-boys <laughs> 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 um uh, you know, so like, there's there's a lot. I saw I saw that Batista has a new tattoo. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got he's got this guy on his chest now, which yeah. is pretty awesome. You know, and and uh, you know, so I, I I'm I'm just excited to see that you know people who have kind of done their thing are now you know more proud to claim it, and uh, and people coming up. There's 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 a handful that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them grow. What are the chances that we see you and Falaba together on Impact as a tag team? Uh, probably a hundred percent. Yeah, hey. yeah. We we uh, we uh, pulled the old Kuya power play and hey. linked, linked arms and, and and did that. So everything that we've done so far is all like by design. The promos that we're doing together in vignettes, where you know we're you know dropping references to who we are. We want everybody yeah. to know. Like we we want we want non-Filipinos to, to laugh along with our Filipino jokes now. Mm-hmm. And to Even make, the eat lumpia shirts. Yeah, to make it, to make it, uh, yeah, 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 to make it more, uh, more common and, and, uh, and, and more known. So yes, you, you'll definitely see that. All right. So now as we're, we're winding down. Yeah, we are about to. We're, we're about to. You are clearly one of those guys who wears LA on his sleeve. Yeah. You're in the room with two Bay Area boys. <laughs> The first Ooh. preseason game just happened. Did you cap? Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. So your boys put a whooping on our boys. One twenty-three to one hundred one, right? One hundred eight. One hundred eight. <laughs> one hundred eight. Give them the extra seven so points. Seven <laughs> points. How do you feel about the Lakers' chances this year? Uh, I mean, ever since that the trade went down and they started kind of building the new direction for the team, I, I've thought like this is like this is like a finals year. I, I've thought that since then, and it hasn't changed. Um, it was a real bummer to see Cousins go down. So yeah, that sucked. I don't know that it changed my idea of how the team fit together. I, in some ways, I thought maybe it's better to have a guy like Dwight than Cousins because I felt like Cousins' toolbox is so big, maybe that would make it more difficult. Yeah. And that you kind of need For the spacing. To, yeah, yeah, like I thought maybe, maybe all along we should have been having a guy who's going to you know, be a beast on the pick and roll, scoop the boards, and Straight play defense. Yeah. yeah, because you know Davis is going to now be able to explore his toolbox more freely because he yeah. can stretch the floor now and he can do the things he needs to do. Um, but uh, uh, my bold prediction is that the Rockets are going to work together way better than we think they are. Mm-hmm. Wow, because well, you have that much faith in the Westbrook Harden combo. Yes, uh, 
I, I don't know if I'll be correct. That's that's definitely my bold prediction. All right. Um, part of that is bias. Westbrook's my favorite guy. They're both LA boys too. Yeah. So like, but I just think that so many people think it's a given that they're gonna fail, and I'm I'm like, no, no. And I'm like, man, if they if they click, that's that's killer. I mean, that's insane. You know. Um, so I, I sort of feel like maybe that's the conference finals matchup. I, I, I actually my I feel bad. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Golden State because that was a ru- that's a slippery slope. Yep. That so much changes yep. with just those those few pieces being changed. Like yep. losing losing Durant, who's re- like like as great as Steph is. Like I I never felt like Steph was like that guy. He's like, not super Saiyan. Yeah. Like I feel like like there are people. Oops, oh my god, I almost broke the table. Um, <laughs> There are guys that are like you know KD and Kobe and LeBron or Jordan like that that they'll they'll put an entire team on their back. Steph, I feel like he needs to facilitate. He, he's he can do so many things, but he's he's not going like through flesh, blood, and muscle going to will past five guys. Like mm. he needs to find he needs to pick his spots, you know. Um, and like Clay's not that guy either. You yeah. know, Dre's not that guy. So losing KD and then with Clay getting hurt, and like, then Iguodala leaving, yes, Livingston like, retiring. That's that's that is that's very tough. Yeah. Um, and I I and my other bold prediction, which I hope doesn't come true at all, is that I feel like Steph might get hurt because Oof. because no, 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 you're hurting his heart. It's been so hurting his heart. Because it's been so long. Knock on wood. Let's it, hope that doesn't happen. No, no, absolutely. Because uh, I, I, it's been so long since it was really the Steph show there. Yeah, and when that's true. when it was the Steph show, they were barely a second round team, and he had he he had trouble like like staying healthy because yeah. he was doing so much. And I feel like people are like, "Oh man, now is Steph's time to bomb away." And I'm like, "Please, Steph, don't decide to do that because you're gonna get hurt, man. Like, let let the team." Play out like use use D'Lo. I wish we got D'Lo. I was I'm, so upset that you guys I'm got happy. him. I'm happy. I'm happy we have him. D'Lo is awesome. He's a great guy. Yeah. So I feel guy. like I feel like he might be kind of like the the temporary savior because it's going to take a long time for even when Clay comes back you in six know. to nine yeah. months, it takes two years to really be normal again. Yeah. Like in nine months, he'll be allowed to play, but he's not going to be Clay the best yet. Version. You just yeah. ask Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Yo. So it's yeah, it's it's it takes a long time. So it's 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 to, this is this is the rough year for the, for the Warriors, but I think the guys are young enough to to still, you know, kind of build a second version of this dynasty. Going yeah, yeah, going forward. So I I definitely see them as a pretty big threat. I just I'm glad that we get a timeout for a little bit. <laughs> so to add on to Camus's question, are you completely disregarding the Clippers or Well, I mean, <laughs> So, the the social narratives of it, like yeah. like uh, the the anti Laker social narrative is, oh, they got they're gonna have to deal with load management and blah blah blah. But like, LeBron doesn't typically get hurt, and his his injury was a a, a groin pull that happens to everybody. If it was his back, then you'd worry. then I'd be like, okay, it's maybe this is co- like Kobe going down. You know, like the, his next. Four, three years are going to be different, but it, you know it was his it was his groin. You know that happens to rookies, and uh, Davis, you know he he has minor injuries here and there, but it's like like Paul George Sid vicioused himself. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna start he's gonna start the season in an upper body cast. He's not yeah. even gonna play until like Christmas, and Kawhi has never played. He's only played seventy games twice in his career ever, 
Like every year, if you look at his player card, it's like 60 games, 60 games, 60 games. So it's like, and other than those two, and, and like, um, uh, other than those two and Lou, like, and Pat Beverly, Pat Bev, everybody yeah. else just they, they look like G leaguers. Yeah, like I don't I don't recognize <laughs> any of them. Yeah, it's not a very deep team. Other uh, after your top two. Yeah, like the Lakers look funny like fitting together but I think when but you look at them team. like you 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 recognize all these players you don't know if they should be first or second unit but you recognize what they do and who they are and they're they're proven in whatever they do yep whereas like the Clippers are either really most of those guys are really young or guys that like are like not really recognizable like I joke that they're like G leaguers but it's kind of like they are like I'm like where did this guy come from like I don't know <laughs> this guy at all um so then everybody's like well like who's gonna who's 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 gonna guard uh uh, Kawhi and, and PG, but then I'm I'm like, who, who's going to guard Anthony Davis? Zubak? Yeah. I'm like, is, is Kawhi going to guard Anthony Davis? I don't think he's going to, you know. I don't and, think so. And the last time I saw Paul George play defense, Lillard sent him fishing. So, yeah. I mean, so when they're like, oh, who's going to guard them? Like, who are they going to guard? Like, I don't, I mean, Kawhi, other than Kawhi, I don't really, and Pat Beverly being a pest, like, I don't see, like, I don't see the same depth that everybody else sees in the Clippers. Um, and I'm, I hope I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out when the season starts in about a week, a couple of weeks. I think the Nuggets are going to be tough. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Jokic, I mean, he just murdered us in the World Cup. So Yeah, yeah Jokic, the, the Nuggets, boy. I think, are going to be tough. Right. Um, as we get to the end of uh, the interview, um, you know, um, being a wrestler since the age of 13, and then 21 years later, you're here. Um, how much longer do you see yourself competing in the ring? Well, I mean, if my legs stay healthy, I think ten years might be respectable. Even if I'm, <laughs> even even if I'm still healthy after ten years, I might I might hang them up just to not be em- the embarrassing old guy in the ring still. But I mean, there's some guys that they find this timeless version of themselves, and there's, it's rare. But you see some of these guys like Ultimo Dragon or like Liger, Mysterios mm-hmm. like that too. Um, uh, Jeff Hardy, I kind of think is like that. Orton will probably be like that where they they kind of reach their final form at a certain point and they could do it forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like health doesn't play a role, age almost doesn't play a role. And that has been my goal maybe for like the last 10 years or so. I kind of had that epiphany like that's what I want to be is, is reach that point for me where where I carve out the in-ring version of me that's like I could do that forever. And that's sort of why I always really gotten grounded into like a technical style and and you know, dressing it up and having a little bit of flash to it the way that I do just because I feel like that'll age really well. All right, there you have it. The TJ Perkins interview, you will catch him this Saturday. He's going to be taking on Jake DeLeon for the title of The Real Mr. Philippine Wrestling. It is the dream match we've all been waiting for. TJ, thank you so much for four years ago. Thank you so much for this this afternoon. Oh, thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much once again to TJP for coming on the podcast. You must have heard already by now that brand new stinger that TJ recorded. Yeah. Some really good stuff. Um, of course, good he's going to be headlining brother. PWR Special Homecoming this Saturday, October 12th at the ABS-CBN Virtus Tent. We've still got tickets that are on sale at TicketToMe.net. Meet and greet, gold ones, already sold out. So thank you to everybody who's purchased them. Uh, for everybody else, you can get your gold, silver, or bronze tickets either at the show, mas mahal nga lang, or on TicketToMe.net, or you can message any of us from the PWR roster, locker room staff, production crew. We've got discounted tickets remaining. Everyone except Brian and Chino, yeah. basically. 
Messages si Red Oliero. He loves getting those messages. <laughs> and you know what? It's like at this point, if you don't have your tickets, guys, come on. Let's let's see. we want to see you at this show. Yeah, there's DJ there's still time. There's still show. time to get the discounted tickets. So yeah. if you're thinking about uh, buying at the last minute, that's a bad idea. Yeah, it's yeah. always a bad idea. And for everybody who's been saying, "Oh, can you book si TJP?" Ito na. Ito na, ito na. The moment you've been waiting for since TJP uh, was on everybody's screens because of WWE, he's finally home, finally here, ready to wrestle JDL in the main event. So go catch that this Saturday, October 12th. Baka next time si Batista naman. Uh, oh, Batista ba- 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 should bring out of retirement pa. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You never we, know. You never know. We don't have bring out of retirement money. Okay. No, we don't. We don't. No, we do not, sir. No, no, no. All right. Uh, I, I think the unanimous universal pick of the week is not the ending to Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Jesus. And it is My absolutely... pick of the week is Seth Rollins retaining. Sure. Shut up, Chino. All right, no, sure, no problem. <laughs> Shut up, Chino. Stop it. Stop right. it. <laughs> so, so the universal unanimous pick of the week is absolutely the TJP interview. Um, it Such went, a wonderful human being. It went all sorts of directions that I didn't expect, mm. and I loved it. Yeah. I, I had a, a, lot of t- a lot of fun. Can I just say, he was very open with, yeah, yeah, with the was. stories that he had. It was as varied as the tattoos on his both his sleeves. Yeah. So it's such a good listen, guys. It's a professional dentaio. We asked him, is there anything off limits before we started? Which is how every other interview should go. Yes. Yeah. And, you know. and look at and look what we got well, out of it. Just saying, Filipino journalists, can you please have some fucking w- ethics? Was that a shot to towards somebody? No. Or? No, just you know, a random random guideline for maybe, a Filipino maybe journalists. Ricky though, I don't know. <laughs> no, because we suck. <laughs> we, we we absolutely suck at interviewing no, yes. people. Yes, I, I mean, covered this, this many podcast. times. No, not not, not, podcast. not the podcast, uh, but you know, like a, a lot of Filipino journalists need training, us included. But mm. you know, we know the basics. Yeah. Not anybody in this room, per yeah. se. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Looking at you, Ryan. I'm a, I'm a graduate of journalism school, so no, I don't not know about any, you. Not, yeah, so am I. Yeah, not yeah, in this room. All right. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Clearly not a graduate of listening school. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Listening we, school. We gotta listening. end the podcast. We gotta end the podcast because tomorrow we still have Jeff Cobb. So and, the day after that. and then and the day after that, that, we got the big show. Woo. So thank you to everybody. We got the big show? Jesus fucking Christ. Come on. Chino, what the hell? We got uh, the big show? No, no, no. Don't, don't do that, please, please. Don't ever do that again. I was don't say, destroy the equipment. Even Camus knows not to do that shit. I was going to say, out, out of out of like knee-jerk reaction, shut up, God. Oh, my. Chino. Oh, my. <laughs> Chino, shut the fuck up. All right, let's fucking end the show Sorry, in peace. that's fine. Without let's destroying the fucking equipment. All right? Or our right. ears, because so thank we have you. headsets now. Yeah, thank you to everybody who's been uh, subscribing, hitting, hitting us up with, with comments, uh, five-star ratings, downloads. That stuff really helps us out a lot, especially with the numbers and the analytics. So, oh, By the way, by the way, uh, the old episodes are going to be up soon on Spotify. So for those who are asking us where they are, uh, just hang tight a little more. Yeah, if you want to listen to classics like the classical shoot episode, yeah, it will yeah. be back yeah. and you can TJ's, keep listening TJ's to it. Episode. Or TJ's first two oh, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two part three and last uh, time. We had him on for two hours. Or all right? the classic Chin Liao reviews. Sure, sure. There. sure. Yeah, sure. they're all there. They're all there. Right? So, Babalikyan sa Spotify. So, thank you, everybody. I can put myself over Gamus? No, what? No, you can't. Chino, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to end the fucking show. All right. So, again, thank you to everyone and especially to Podcast Network Asia, whose studios are located at We Remote Coworking Philippines for helping us out with our shows. And you can check out their socials over at facebook.com slash podcastnetwork.asia. On Twitter, it is at podcastnetasia and at podcastnetworkasia on IG. And you can check out their official website at www.podcastnetwork.asia. 
Asia. We will see you guys at the show this Saturday, ABS-CBN Virtus Tent. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you, TJ Perkins. On behalf of Raf Gamos, Chino Liao, and Romoran, my name is Stan C. And episode number 290 of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast is officially in the books. Peace.